Welcome, friends, to this mini-panel. We're dealing with the subject of worship music, uh, church music, music, and I'll be asking some questions to Matthew Enoch, who leads all of our musical elements in our corporate worship service. Uh, Matthew, just so you are aware, we're going to start theological and then go practical. I know I've given you some of these questions before, but we've got nine questions. I think the first questions will be the uh, longest, and then we'll, we'll work through some of the other. So question number one, what are some theological foundations for how we do worship through music? Yeah, so I think first we would need to define what proper Christian worship is. Um, it's not a, a feeling that we feel or, uh, as a lot of worship leaders say, an atmosphere we create. Yes. Um, it's not singing. Uh, I'm, I'm a worship pastor, that's the term that, that we use to, to uh, describe me, but um, uh, that's frequently conflated to mean music director uh, and for most churches that's all it is um, the uh, uh, you know worship is a response to revelation uh, God reveals something about himself and we respond accordingly I think one of the best uh, passages in scripture for an understanding of worship is uh, Isaiah 6 1 through 5 uh, Isaiah sees a vision of the throne room of God and it's just this bizarre, spectacular scene uh, of God sitting on his throne, surrounded by angels uh, and these magnificent creatures singing and praising him. Uh, and, and what does Isaiah do? He, he falls on his face um, and he shouts, woe is me for I am lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips and, my, uh, and I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, uh, the Lord of hosts. So Isaiah sees God and he immediately uh, understands how small he is, uh, how wretched he is, and this is a picture of worship, uh, revelation and response. Um, now God's <clears throat> revelation comes to us in a couple forms. Um, there's general revelation where God reveals himself generally in, in the world around us. Uh, Paul writes in Romans 1, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, had been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that had been made. Um, so this may be something like nature. Um, we get a glimpse of, of God's power during a thunderstorm, for instance, um, or um, you know, we see something of God's magnitude when we look up at the night sky. Uh, it also might be things that we see in, in other people, like love or beauty or human creativity. When you stand and look at a, a beautiful painting or stand in lower Manhattan and look at the buildings around you, um, we should see God's creativity uh, displayed through the creativity of his image bearers. Yeah, good. Um, the other way God reveals himself is through his word. Uh, and this is special revelation. This is far more profound than general revelation. This is where we see specific things about the God who created the universe. So while we Praise God for his general revelation in the world around us. Scripture alone is sufficient for us. That's why we have sola scriptura written across the front of the stand uh, that you preach on, uh, which means by scripture alone. Um, and, and all that we need to know about God can be found in his word. So whether God reveals himself generally or through special revelation in his word, uh, worship is our response to that. Uh, and singing is merely one way that, that that response is manifested. Um, so I like the way you, you phrase the question, how do we worship through music? Um, you know, worship and music are not the same thing. And the way I'd answer that is we sing with our minds first. Uh, our emotions may be affected in the process. 
Uh, in fact, they, they should be. Um, but if our minds are not engaged, if we're not more aware of the unique attributes of God uh, with each line that we sing, then, then all we're doing is whipping ourselves up into an emotional frenzy. Yes. Um, and you don't need the Bible to do that. And uh, our emotions can lie to us. God's right. word uh, is truth. And when you sing yes. on Sunday morning, you know, we need to sing with our minds. Yes, that's great. It's really good. Um, I, I would probably add, you know, two foundational principles to that as well. <clears throat> Matthew and I have talked about this a lot. We believe uh, theology leads to doxology. So theology, what we know to be true about God, leads to doxology, our praise of God. So mm -hmm. we, we, we seek to have a, a larger view of the worship team, a worship team that teaches theology. Um, you put words into the mouths of God's people. You put prayers into the mouth of God's flock. You teach theology. Uh, Gordon Fee said, show me your church's songs and I'll show you their theology. And I think that's extremely accurate. Uh, from time to time we will ask our people, if you only learned your theology from songs in church, what would you know about the resurrection? The Holy Spirit, uh, the Trinity, creation, justification, regeneration, the, the local church, or, or, or sin. Uh, this is another way of, of discipleship. The, the worship leader or the worship pastor, which I know you're not huge on the term worship pastor, but the, the, the person that's leading people in corporate worship must view singing as discipleship. Because you teach God's people how to approach God, mm. how to pray, how to praise, and as you said, who God is. Mm. So that's, that's very important. So we believe theology leads to doxology. And, and second principle I would add is we believe Jesus perfects our worship. First Peter 2.5 teaches this. It's us. Uh, Super easy to be distracted by an off-key vocalist or a drummer missing the beat or an out-of-tune guitar. That's why skilled musicianship is commanded in the Bible, Psalm 33. Uh, we desire undistracted excellence. If there's a stumbling block in someone coming to Christ, uh, let it not be our poor musicianship. Let it be the cross of Christ itself. However, we never want to forget that what makes our worship on Sunday morning acceptable to God is, is not that we could take it from here and move it to Nashville. Mm -hmm. It's that Jesus takes all our offerings of worship and perfects them and presents them to the Father. So he, he clothes them in his righteousness and therefore it makes it acceptable to the Father. So, I mean, we could talk forever on theological <laughs> foundations for how we do worship at FFC, but those are a few. Okay, second question. Uh, churches tend to place a lot of stress upon the ability of the members on the worship team. Mm -hmm. But how important is their character and their walk with God? Yes, yeah, so um, my initial disclaimer here, currently I lead by myself. Uh, yes. on Sunday mornings, and, and, and that's not for lack of ability or lack of character right. uh, in our church. It's it's a pragmatic choice primarily because of the, the size of our sanctuary, because I want our people to learn to make their voices um, the primary instrument uh, of the church before we, uh, before we have a band. But yes, um, ability is certainly important. Uh, we want people who are musically competent. We want 
good chemistry on the team. Um, I have to be confident that someone's going to practice. Mm -hmm. uh, I have no aspiration to make it onto the worship fails Instagram page, <laughs> yes. which I, I follow. Um, you know, like you just said, we want undistracting excellence uh, on the platform. That said, God values character uh, above talent, far above mm -hmm. talent. Uh, if you serve uh, on the worship team or if you serve in any front-facing position uh, in the church for that matter, you know, you'll be held to a higher standard, uh, and it has to be that way. The integrity of the, of the church within the community is too important to risk uh, to have poor character on the platform. Um, so that said, we don't put non-Christians on the stage. Which, which is super common. Which, yes. is, which is very common. I mean, yes. we are an hour away from Nashville. Um, so this is very popular. I know it sounds crazy to some of you, but non-Christians being in the worship band. Yeah. And, and some of the churches that are super influential, super large, like that's the number one requirement. How can you play an instrument? Mm -hmm. Not, are you a follower of Christ? Yeah, and, and sometimes it's seen as a, as a ministry opportunity, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Like get a non-Christian drummer to come in and be around a bunch of Christian band members um, but you know we're not going to do that yes uh, you know we want lost people coming to our church uh, we want and, and we do every Sunday like yeah every Sunday we yeah. have we don't we have, have a lack of atheist that. agnostic people yeah. who who have never trusted Christ as their Savior here every Sunday and they're hungry for the word but this is not the place to create evangelism right. opportunities in the band yeah we, we go out and, and create that yeah and we, we want to see people you know, come to Christ, and we want to see musicians come to Christ. Um, but a non-believer is incapable of worship. Um, you know, they're incapable of responding to God's revelation because they 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 patently reject it. Um, so it would be ridiculous to have someone uh, uh, you know who does not believe on the stage. And moreover, it would be unkind to allow them to do that. It would be unkind to the church. Yes. Um, so you know. We don't put non-believers on the team, but we also don't put non-members mm. on the team, which that's you know. A, a now that's a, that's another level, but that's <clears throat> rare as well because yeah. um, there's plenty of people in worship bands that are not members of the local church. Yeah, and, and that's incredibly common. Um, you know, we we may have non-members fill in occasionally for me, or if you're uh, on vacation, for, if I'm on vacation, or, or if we have yeah. a special event, right? Uh, you know, but but and they're, they're always, members of a local church, right. Just not our local church. There are always yes. people we know. There are people mm -hmm. we vetted. We know they're believers. You know, right. we're not just like, well, you can sing, so, right. so come on uh, and, and 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 lead for us. Um, and to narrow it even further, for us, we expect uh, people on the team to not only be members but to be model members. Mm -hmm. They should still come to church on days that they aren't playing. Mm. Um, they should be giving regularly to the church. Mm. Uh, they should submit to the elders' leadership uh, when there are disagreements. So we probably have higher standards than most churches, but I think that's part, part of what makes uh, Faith Family special. Um, we don't model ourselves after other churches. We're modeled uh, after Scripture. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, you know, maybe even we're using the word band, but maybe in a little more traditional setting, these principles would apply to orchestra yeah. and choir as well, like non-Christians in the orchestra, non-Christians in the choir, um, or non-church members in the choir. All, all of that is um, very common, yeah. very common. And it reflects uh, a, you know, a, a, an idea that, um, I guess, quality 
quality of, of um, you know, musicianship yes. trumps you know, what the yes. what the church is. You know, yes. what, you know, that's not what we're here to do. We're not here to mm -hmm. to um, you know, to be the next whatever. The right. big worship band is, you know, yes, it's, it's yes. not, that's not yeah. what we're here to do. So we're the, here for our people. The product, um, the, the, the product does not, is not viewed as more valuable than the process. Mm -hmm. um, you know, okay, let's do question number three. Yeah. Well, you walk us through a worship service layout, uh, so our people know, but I think this is going to help our people as well. There may be some other friends that are watching. What does our Sunday service look, look like? Yeah, so I'm going to put up um, a, a picture of uh, a worship service. Yeah, so they can uh, on see the it. Yeah. Yes. So we, we lay out our service uh, a little differently every week, uh, but the important part is that it's it's always intentional. It's never random. Okay. Um, Brian Chapel says a worship service should be a representation of the gospel. So sometimes, oh, I love that. Yeah, yes. sometimes we'll follow a pattern uh, that we find in early church history. Uh, sometimes we'll create our own pattern, mm -hmm. but the goal is always to tell that story. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to put up this example of a service. Um, if you look at this layout, you, you'll see it's based on four movements. Um, this one is, is based on sort of a, a negative-positive dichotomy, so there's a negative aspect followed by a positive. So the first movement is, um, my sins are many, but Christ's mercy is more. Uh, so we do a call to worship, Psalm 51, 1 to 2. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Uh, and then we'll sing a song, uh, His mercy is more. The next movement is, My heart is prone to wander, uh, but Christ will hold me fast. Mm -hmm. uh, so the reading there is uh, Psalm 119.10. With my whole heart I seek you, let me not wander from your commandments. Uh, and then he will hold me fast. Uh, and we try to do this a lot where we have a scripture reading right before a song so that we're always kind of um, you know, leading into the song with, like I said, we, we sing with our minds so we want to get our minds engaged before yes. we, we move into the song. Because songs naturally have an emotional, uh, right. there's an emotional element. Yes. And that's good. We and God with to... emotions created man with emotions. <clears throat> yes. So yeah. emotions are good. Yeah. But, but um, we need to, we need our minds to be engaged yes. first. It needs to go from yes. the mind to the heart, not the Not other. from the, yes. Yeah. I think that's A great. lot of times if it starts in the heart, it never makes it. Because we're, we are commanded to worship. <clears throat> we are commanded to worship the Lord with our, with our souls, our hearts, and our minds. And, and mm -hmm. I, I think the mind is where we're weak. Mm -hmm. A lot of churches in the states, we're weak in worshiping the Lord with our minds. Yeah. Um, so, it, so first movement, my sins are many, but Christ's mercy is more. Second mm -hmm. movement, my heart is prone to wonder, but Christ will hold me fast. Yeah. The third movement is uh, my days are numbered, but Christ is mine forevermore. Mm -hmm. So James four thirteen to fourteen, come now, you who say to, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there mm -hmm. and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Uh, and then we'll sing the song, Christ is mine forevermore. So we have that, that dichotomy of there is something finite about us, but there's something infinite about Christ. Um, and then the last movement, my life is full of suffering, but Christ will have the final victory. And a lot of times the last movement is where we'll, we'll put the exposition. So your sermon... 
and, and we don't always, you know, your sermons are, are expositional by nature, so it's not like this one overarching theme right. that, we're, that we're always hitting. Yes. Uh, but a lot of times there is a, an element of that that will fit into um, this, this layout. Mm -hmm. um, so when I wrote this particular uh, uh, order of, of service, uh, it was written with the book of Daniel in mind. So Daniel's life was full of suffering, mm -hmm. but he also prophesied mm -hmm. about Christ mm -hmm. um, who would one day save the world from all suffering. Yes. So that kind of fits into this this um, you know, this movement. Uh, and then we'll sing, It Is Well With My Soul, mm -hmm. which you know just, mm -hmm. just kind of continues to drive that yes. point home. This is just an example. There are all kinds of different examples um, that we've used just in the last several mm -hmm. months. But this is just one that, that this is a service that never that never was. It never was. <laughs> yeah. Coronavirus yeah. took it out. It would have been a great one that. Yeah. Um, you, you know, some things to notice while you're looking at this image. Notice that we call it an order of worship, um, not an order of service. The, the whole thing is worship. Pre preaching doesn't start after worship. Preaching is worship, so it's a whole service of worship. We worship through listening to the preached word, through singing, through listening to God's word read, the, the, the whole service. Notice that we do not have solos. We do not have instrumentals. We're not saying those are evil. It's just everything is congregational-led. Everything is congregational singing, and, and it's on purpose. Uh, what you do not see on this order of service is that after order of worship is that after the call to worship— I'll, I'll read the call to worship, and then I will say, Thus ends the reading of God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. May he write its eternal truth upon all of our hearts. So every Sunday I'm emphasizing to our people that God's word is holy, it's inspired, and it's inerrant. And then notice that we have readings in between each song. Now the readings are often scripture reading like this one. Uh, sometimes they're ancient prayers. Maybe Puritan's prayers from the Valley of Vision. Sometimes there are hymn histories that Matthew will write. So the readings could be different. Sometimes it's um, like Patrick's prayer. Mm -hmm. We're going to do that missionary to, to Ireland. So the readings are, are often different. But no matter, no matter what, I always read the text I'm preaching before I walk through it expositionally. And once I finish reading the text, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And the congregation will collectively say, thanks be to God. So th th these are our gospel rhythms here, and each Sunday looks a little different, but as you said, which I, I loved how you said it, each Sunday is a, a representation of the gospel. And so we're just giving the gospel in little different rhythms every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Question number four, how do you choose songs for congregational singing? So primarily, the first thing I look at is theology. Are the songs theologically sound? Not every song needs to be a theological treatise, um, but obviously we don't want anything heretical or anything that's unclear in the yes. songs that we sing. For instance, uh, there was a really popular song, Reckless Love, uh, that came out a few years ago. Yes. Uh, and I have a very high view of, of who God is, so I listened to that from that perspective, and yes. I understood the term reckless to be a metaphor. Right. Um, but God is obviously not reckless. Right. Uh, that's not a word the Bible ever attributes to God. So even though I heard it uh, in a sort of sanctified way, um, I really don't know what the writers meant by that. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are too many other great songs to choose from uh, that, I, that I wouldn't risk confusing uh, our church with right. unclear lyrics. So you know, theologically sound mm -hmm. and clear. Yes. Um, another big thing is singability. 
can people sing it. Uh, I try to do songs in keys that other people can sing, um, but uh, you know I also try to do songs that are that are easy for people who aren't trained musicians, uh, and most people are not. Um, if the melody is really complicated, uh, I won't do it even if it's theologically wonderful. Uh, my job on Sunday morning is to encourage corporate worship, and if uh, if no one can keep up with the song, uh, I'm just I'm just putting on a concert right at that point. Yes. Um, Another big thing, and this is a little bit more controversial, but it's it's who wrote it or, or who released the song. Um, uh, you know, this has been a, a source of some controversy as of late. Uh, obviously, we can't know everything about the person who wrote a particular song, especially if it was written 500 years ago. Right. Um, some of the greatest hymns in Christian history were written by people uh, with serious theological issues. Um, that said, I think worship leaders should seriously consider dropping songs that were written by Bethel Music in mm. particular. Mm. Uh, Bethel is probably the largest publisher of, of mm. modern yes. uh, worship anthems today, uh, but their theology is atrocious. The mm. theology of the church. Right. Uh, some of the music is, is yeah. theologically sound. So a, lot, a lot of the music's <clears throat> horrible too, but then some of the songs, they, they have a couple that are theologically solid, oh, yeah. but we, we choose not to sing. Yeah, yeah. the, church, the church itself is, is actively leading people astray mm -hmm. uh, and and you know I see it as a different circumstance mm -hmm. than maybe a writer who's been dead for 300 years mm -hmm. uh, who may have had some heretical leanings yes uh, you know there are people today who are in these churches who are who are being led astray and who are being drawn in uh, by these um, by these songs and so some other organizations that we typically do not sing uh, Hillsong Elevation Church there are just some you know some churches that have not all of those are as far in the weeds as Bethel. Yes. Yeah. But, um, you know, we just don't want to, um, you know, I guess as we discover some of the things that these churches believe or, or the way that their leaders behave, um, we've decided that there are plenty of other songs out there uh, that don't come with so much baggage. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Uh, that, I think there's a real temptation for the catchiness factor to surpass the weightiness factor. And so we let some songs slide that um, are not theologically strong. Mm -hmm. We desire for our songs here to speak about the character of God, His grace and His wrath. And I think we have a lot of songs that emphasize His grace and not a lot of songs that emphasize His wrath. But perfect justice and perfect mercy kissed at the cross. And both need to be emphasized. Mm -hmm. We need to be singing about how God is unapproachable, but also how he is approachable. I feel like we have a lot of songs um, that are being written today about how approachable God is. And that's, that's wonderful. That's the truth of Scripture. But Christ makes us approachable. For a non-believer, he's, he's not approachable, right? He's, he's unapproachable. Um, you, you can't approach him in your sinful state. That's why you need Christ. So, you know, <clears throat> that's a big topic there. Um, it's interesting that, that people never leave the Grand Canyon in awe of themselves. Yeah. But I often feel like in churches around here, uh, people leave the service in awe of themselves. And that's not our goal. Yeah. And our goal every Sunday is for our people to leave in awe of who God is, in awe of His holiness. All right, question number five. Do you think it's important for pastors and musicians to write songs for their local church? Yes, because if not us, then who? Yes. You know, uh, we talked about Bethel a second ago. 
there are people who don't know Christ writing songs about Christ. There are people who have a warped view of the Holy Spirit writing songs about the Holy Spirit. You know, there is a, a war being fought for the minds of people. Yes. Uh, and false teachers have fastened music to the end of their spears. Um, you know, we need, we need more songs written by people who have right theology. Yes. So, yes, I think it's very important that, that we write songs for the church. And the healthiest way to do that, I think, is to write songs for your church, for your local mm. church. Um, so I write a lot of music. I love country music. Mm. Um, I, I worship music. I love hymns. Mm. Uh, but there's really a, a special kind of creativity um, that is employed when I write songs for Faith Family Church. Mm. Um, I wrote a song recently called Faultless Master, yes. which was inspired by one of your sermons. And I found that when I envisioned our people singing it, um, my heart was more engaged in the process because uh, there was there was a specific purpose behind why I was writing this song. Yeah, there's a Scottish political activist that was born in the mid 1600s, died early 1700s. His name was Andrew Fletcher, and he said, uh, "Let me write the songs of a nation. I don't care who writes its laws. Yeah. Let me write the song." the songs of the nation. I don't care who writes its laws. Um, and churches and musicians need to have that mentality. We need to write songs for our churches um, because we realize how powerful music is. <clears throat> Question number six. How important is it for the preaching pastor and the worship pastor, although again, we're rejecting that term and just using some common language here. How important is it for the preaching pastor and the worship pastor to be on the same page? Um, it is vital that you and I work together to plan services. Uh, for one, it keeps things from becoming cluttered and disorganized. Uh, I don't do anything on Sunday morning that you aren't aware of in advance. Uh, and that helps us keep the flow of the service free from distractions. Uh, and we will occasionally disagree on various Yeah, elements. so that has, that has happened. Like yeah. We've disagreed on a song before. Yeah, right? yeah. Yes. Uh, but I think we work well together for one because um, even though I am the, the worship leader. You are the lead worship leader. Um, you know, it's more important for me to respect that dynamic than for me to get my way. Yes. Um, so if you don't like a song, I don't do the song. Uh, I don't even need to know why you don't like the song, but you right. usually will tell me. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and it all kind of comes back to those those theological foundations. Uh, we have the same view uh, of what it means to worship, and we have the same desire to help our church worship. Yeah. Uh, if that wasn't the case, I wouldn't have taken this job and you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have hired me. Right. Uh, so yes, it's vital that, that we are in agreement on those things. Yeah. And there's just a lot of tension uh, many times between the um, person who's leading worship music, worship through music, and um, the lead pastor, the mm -hmm. preaching pastor. There's often a lot of tension there. Uh, we, we, we don't have that. Matthew makes my job a, a real joy. Um, he is, of course, more gifted in music, musically, than I am. I'm, I'm what you call a prison singer, <laughs> always behind bars and missing the key. But um, and you sit on the front row, so and I do, and I sing really loud. But we try to, um, you know, Matthew does a wonderful job. I, I've told him no with with many songs, and most of them we have theological reasons. And then you've told me no on songs too. Like I just don't feel comfortable with that particular song. So we work through it, um, but we want to shepherd our people's heart with the songs that we choose. Number seven, there, there is a tendency 
for church members to stand and listen to the band in more contemporary churches or the choir in more traditional churches instead of singing themselves. It almost becomes a, a spectator sport. So what do you think about that? Why is it important for our people to sing? Um, well, I think it is a shame, uh, and I think I know why that is the case. Um, church services nowadays are often formatted like concerts. Mm, yes. Um, the lighting, the haze, uh, the worship leader that looks like Ryan Gosling. Yes. Um, we don't have that problem here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, many modern church services would be almost indistinguishable from a rock concert. Yes. Uh, and, and I'm not opposed to the use of, of technology, God-made lighting. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, we need the stage to be lit. Our new building right. will have lights right. in it. Um, I've even heard the argument, you know, God uses haze uh, in nature to show off his beauty. I like beams coming <laughs> I have never the heard that. that. That was an argument made by a, 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 a fog machine salesman. Oh, so, no doubt, no doubt. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, there are appropriate ways to use those things. Yes. Um, I don't think it's inherently wrong. In fact, we should strive to make our places of worship uh, aesthetically pleasing. You know, it shouldn't look ugly when you walk in to, right. into, into the yes. church. Um, but there is a trade-off. Mm. You know, if you treat your worship service like a concert, you're mm. going to attract spectators. Mm. Um, that's and, good. And, and maybe that's the goal for some churches. Mm. Maybe that's what uh, they do to get people in the church. In fact, I know that's what they do. That's mm. kind of a common, you know, people say that. Uh, yes. And the churches will say that outright. Mm. But that's the reason for those mm. things. We want to get people off the streets. The we music to gets them and hopefully they'll <clears> stay for the preaching. Yeah, but yeah. then you have to keep it up, mm. you know. Um, we're not going to do that, uh, and, and maybe it's an, an overreaction to say that we're not going to use any of those any of those uh, elements. Um, but I, I just think they're unnecessary. Mm. This church mm. sings mm. yes um, more do. than any other church I know of, mm. uh, and, and I can't even hear myself. Yes, sometimes. we'll drown you out sometimes. Yes, which yeah, is good. Yeah. And yeah. That's great. I need to keep turning my monitor up. Yes, and then we'll have a week where well, you know it's a lower week, and my yeah. monitor's just blaring. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, but, but it just seems unnecessary to me to have all of those things mm -hmm. to help people sing. You know, I, I guess it's kind of that old adage, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. You know? And so yes. for me, I don't see any point yes. in, in including those things and making it more entertainment focused. Right. Um, you know, because it creates it creates that, that dynamic of you're at a concert, the guy on the stage is the one singing. And, and we're here to, yeah. you know, I guess we're supposed to sing, but we're yeah. here really just to yeah. watch. Uh, so when you, when you play your acoustic guitar or electric guitar or whatever, you're not, um, you're not turning circles here. You're not kicking your leg <laughs> out. You're not entertaining. You're not doing yeah. any of that, right? You are, no, the, the and most, if you see me getting, you know, yeah, hyped I'll, up I'll on like a song, that, yeah. that's just because I'm hyped up on the yes, song. Not, yeah. I'm not trying to do it for, right. for anybody. And I'm, yeah. not, I'm a very stoic person, right. naturally. If I'm not on the stage and I'm, if I'm... In the in the crowd, you yes. know, I'm not going to be doing. Right. I'm not. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. I'm just not. That's just not my yeah. personality. Yeah. I love that we have a, a wonderful mix yes. of, of people who yes. are more because um, my wife and I are more the other way. Right. Yeah. 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 So the most in, <clears throat> important musical instrument, it's the people's voices. <clears throat> yeah. Not not an acoustic guitar, not a piano. The most important musical instrument is the people's voices. So you got to think, like, when God created us, why did he create us? Did he create us because he was lonely? Did he create us because 
he was conceited and he wanted to create people who would sing his praises. God doesn't command us to worship him because of some deficiency in him, but because of some deficiency in us. Your soul needs to hear you sing. Your soul needs to hear you sing loudly. And so it's, it's important for your spiritual walk to sing corporately and, and to sing out. Yeah. Right, I question. would add to that your neighbor needs to hear you sing. Mm. The person you're standing next to needs to hear you sing. So didn't someone write an article on that you were telling me about? I think it was a John Piper John article. Piper. I don't want to that'd attribute be, to that'd the wrong person. Yeah, it'd be a good one for them to check out. Yeah. Question number eight. What would you like to change about the modern worship pastor? I have a ton of things here. What yeah. would you like to change about the modern worship pastor? Trends to end and uh, trends to begin. You, know, you said you had a lot of things, so I'm just gonna, I'll just give you one. Okay. Um, and this is one for me, something that I have grown in, in the mm -hmm. last several years. Um, worship leaders need to stop seeing themselves as uh, the guy who's going to attract people to the church. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a common mm -hmm. understanding, and, yes. and that's pushed by a lot of pastors. Pastors will hire worship leaders so that they will grow, the grow the church. Yes. Um, don't flatter yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, right. You know, don't and don't put that kind of pressure on yourself. Yes. Yes. Uh, let's be real. No church is ever going to be as entertaining as what the world has to offer. Mm -hmm. uh, It'd be a cheap imitation. Yeah. You don't have to compete yes. with the world. Yeah. You know, let God use you, and, and let God fill your church mm -hmm. because of of, uh, of what He's doing through the church, uh, because His Word is there, right? Uh, and because you're leading in a way yes. that magnifies Him, not because you're capable of putting together a, a great band uh, and that's something that I've I've grown in myself I used to have that thought of like oh, I have this this like it's my job to grow the church if, if they're in, if the church hasn't doubled by next year I haven't done my job that's just not what right. a leader yes does. that's good uh, that that could bring so much peace and um, peace and comfort to worship pastors now who are feeling like it's on them but it's 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 on them because of the senior pastor or the lead pastor the preaching pastor has put it on them yeah. and he hired them with that expectation when i when i hired matthew and was working through the process i said i will not evaluate you in a year and say this is what we were running in attendance and i wanted to see it here um, we we don't we don't look at numbers like that when i hired you i said i'm not hiring you to increase attendance by one individual we're hiring you to help us grow in this area of worship, and there's some certain things we want to implement. And so this was just our philosophy. Now, some things I would like to change about the modern worship pastor. I like to joke a lot about I'd like for them to become a little more manly. I know that's not very PC, but I'd like for them to become a little more manly. Where we hired Matthew, I mean, we got a church here full of uh, farmers and factory workers and special forces guys in the military. And, like, it was important for us to hire a manly man. Um, so I always joke about that. Um, on a more serious note, it would be good for our worship pastors to be theologians, to love the word, to be in the word. I've preached at camps for Southern Baptist and, and um, you know, the, the bands that, that sing before me and that sing after me, I'm just not sure they love the Bible. Uh, they hang out in the green room. They don't bring a Bible with them. I'm not sure they love preaching and they love the Bible. Very gifted, very gifted. I'm just not sure they love the Bible. And I think we need to go back to, to the person who's leading the corporate gathering through music needs to be a theologian. 
um, practical things here. <clears throat> Sometimes worship pastors talk too much between songs. You've never done that. You've always done a wonderful job. But this is very common. And I think worship pastors should think in sentences, not pages. Short, concise, crisp sentences. Uh, say it in between the song and then move on to the next song. Uh, with worship bands, now you've seen this more than I have. Uh, just because you've been living in this world. But sometimes worship bands and members of the bands, male and female, tend to wear clothes that are too tight and revealing. And it's a, it's a bit visually seductive. Uh, even the vocal inflections can sound alluring or sensual. Uh, songs with erotic language about God, talking about embrace or intoxicating. Sloppy wet kiss. Sloppy wet kiss, yeah, there's a song that says that. Uh, describing worship songs as sexy. Describing anything as sexy. Um, I remember us, when Matthew and I, we were reading a particular book, and it was talking about how worship pastors will often say they're creating an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to be present. And you often hear, let's, let's invite the Holy Spirit in here, church. Let's create an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to be present. And I'll never forget what Matthew said. He said, the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth before there was an atmosphere. We don't have to create an atmosphere for him to be present. He's present with his people. I think that's valuable. And now here's another one. You and I have never talked about this. I was just thinking about it as I was writing out these questions. Um, I, I think it's possible for worship pastors, worship teams to be teaching subconsciously that God is more present when the music is being played than when it is not. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? That's, that's certainly the idea. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't agree with, with the... Right, I know you don't agree with the statement, but yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Um, say it again because I want to make sure I understand. Yeah, so they're, they're teaching subconsciously that God is more present when the music is playing than when it is not. Yeah, that doesn't so, make any sense. Yeah, so he's just as present in the preaching right. or the reading or reading the hymn history or reading, you know, what, whatever we're reading, mm -hmm. the whole entire service as he is during the singing. So I think that's dangerous. And then just overarching, just this breathless chase after relevance. Mm -hmm. I think it would really help worship pastors to get rid of that to get rid of that and just come back to the Word and um, disciple God's people through singing. I'll add to that. Stop using the church as your platform for mm. a music career. Mm. Uh, that's very tempting. Mm. It's very easy to, to do that. Yes. And it's not, it's not like it's wrong if you, if you uh, have a platform and you happen to you know, right. have a music career. Yes. But if, it's, if your goal in the church is to, to uh, you know, go from faith family church to you know a bigger church in atlanta yes you know i don't constantly I, stair stepping right right i mean yep. i don't see faith family church as mm -hmm. my step to the next yes level i'll be here for 40 years if right. i if i can't be yes um, that's not you know that's not yeah. the goal yes that's good okay last question here and this will be a shorter one i think uh would you recommend some writers that are producing theologically rich songs and maybe some <clears throat> some books as well that you'd recommend if people wanted to read further on our theology of worship. Yeah, so uh, some of the, the more prolific modern hymn writers are um, uh, Kristen and Keith Getty, mm -hmm. uh, and, and kind of that circle is a really wonderful um, uh, place to start. And they have a lot of writers on their staff, uh, Bob Coughlin mm -hmm. and um, 
Matt Boswell, Matt Papa. I don't know if they were necessarily a lot. Staff. A lot of Matts. A lot yeah. of Matts. Matt Merker. Yes. Um, Coughlin's with Sovereign Grace, and right, so yeah. that's another. Little and there are differences. Fan. You know, yes. there's, there's always going to be theological differences, mm-hmm. but but these are these are people who are writing mm-hmm. uh, great songs. Stuart Townend is mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, Shane and Shane yes. is, a, is a band that a yes. lot of times uh, we will do their versions of mm-hmm. of um, older hymns or. A lot of times they'll cover modern songs, and, and I like their version better because it's it's typically more, um, I guess, somber and more reflective. Right. Um, and then there's a new band that I you turned me on to. I'd never heard of them, City of Light, uh, and I think they're out of Australia or New Zealand. Yes. Yep. Um, they're going to be at the Sing Conference this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just if the it. coronavirus does not cancel the Sing Conference, that's right. Hopefully. We have a Sing Conference in Nashville where it's just. Gathering of musicians, yeah. but also wonderful expositors. And that's in the fall, so I really go to that every year. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but uh, but they write just some some wonderful songs. And just in the past few weeks, we've been introducing uh, a few of their songs. One that I mentioned earlier, "Christ Is Mine Forevermore," mm-hmm. is one that they released, and, mm-hmm. and the songs are just wonderful. Um, books. Uh, there are two in particular that we've read together, uh, and they were ironically uh, assigned to me in a, in a worship class at. Seminary. That Southern Seminary. Uh, <laughs> Worship Matters by Bob Coughlin, who I mentioned this a second ago. And yes. that's, uh, that's not as, uh, you know, it's not such a, it's not like a theological treatise of worship, mm-hmm. but it's more of a um, uh, practical, mm-hmm. you know, steps for, not steps really, but, yep. but it's, it's a practical. Church level. For, yeah, church, level. church level. Yep. Anybody can mm-hmm. read it and understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, I would recommend it to anyone who mm-hmm. is either a worship leader or just on a worship team. Mm-hmm. The drummer, or anybody who, who or, or even the sound guy, yes, because you know, there's a whole chapter on just for, yes, for tech yes. people, yep. Um, and then Christ Center Worship by Brian Chapel, which is a little more lofty, it's a little more seminary, yeah. Um, but it's it, it kind of gives a great uh, background of where worship has come from, you know, with the early church, mm-hmm. um, and then it kind of it goes through a, a practical, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the whole latter half of the book is more, mm-hmm. is more practical, so. Those two, I think, are, are really, uh, in, in that book in particular, Christ Center Worship has, when we were reading it together, it just, it just, I mean, it opened up so many ideas for, yes. for how to conduct a worship service. Yes. Uh, I thought we were intentional before, but after reading that book and seeing all of the little things that we can be doing, how each transition mm-hmm. has a purpose and a meaning, it's not just so aesthetically, you know, our prayers even yes. aren't just... You don't pray just so I have time to get up onto the stage. Well, right, yes. Like, everyone knows yeah. that I'm getting on the stage. I could <laughs> right. do it without you praying. Yes. Like, there's yes. a specific reason that right. we're praying. Yes. It's not just, you know, it's not just right. transitions. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, yeah, yep. that's, that's some people. That's good. Thank you for answering those questions. This is, uh, thank you, friends, for joining us in the discussion. Mm-hmm. It has been uh, really enjoyable. If you have any further questions, we'd love to answer them through email. Our hope is that this has been edifying for you and strengthening for your faith, just so you can get an inside look on how we do uh, worship through music here. Thank you for listening to this resource of Faith Family Church. We gather on Sundays at 495 Hugh Hunter Road in Oak Grove, Kentucky, and are a short drive from Fort Campbell and Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as well as Clarksville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website, myfaithfamilychurch.com.